Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Before we jump into this show, we are doing this episode all about performance in the bedroom for men over 40 and just a very real talk, just some straight talking about a problem that many people have with underperforming in the bedroom. And we give you a basic framework to think about the three buckets where the majority of these challenges may be fixed with a very, very simple framework of how to approach this. Hope it helps. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am Dr. Wenzel, joined, as usual, by my lovely and talented co-host, Jen Justice. Hello. Hello, Jen Justice. How are you? I am outstanding, actually. That's wonderful. And we're going to jump into a topic today called the performance in the bedroom for men over 40. This is a topic that, you know, there are a lot of men's health issues that don't go talked about. Certainly, performance in the bedroom, sexual subjects, intimacy tend to be pretty off limits. Mm. There's a number of reasons that go into that, but we are hopeful that this episode will provide a high level conversation around a topic that is super important. It's important in the human experience, but in the masculine experience, being able to perform in a, in a manner that's congruent with your wants, wishes, desires, your authentic self as a man is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And it just deserves more airtime. Yeah. And so I'm excited to, to jump into this with you so that folks can have the framework with which we often end up talking about these th things. And we just ha got the sense over the years that this was a topic that rarely got talked about. And there was always such a relief to be able to talk oh, about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it comes up. It may not come up in the first visit until after we establish some trust with our members. But right. I love that we we are open and talk about this because like you said, it is part of the human experience and it's one of the most important pieces of it. And I feel like even if you're a woman listening to this, it might give you some insight into sexual performance for men. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, this is about men, but it's for men and women. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. So basically when it comes to the ability for a man to perform in the bedroom, I call them three buckets. There mm -hmm. are three buckets that we need to examine or audit when we're looking to improve areas that we are noticing there's some underperformance. Bucket number one, I call the want to. This is just the internal drive, the, the passion, the, the desire, the, the want to. Mm -hmm. And I think far and away the most common culprit that negatively impacts a man's want to is a suboptimal or even a low testosterone level. Absolutely. This is, I mean, as a, as a stealing of a punchline for women, it, it's for women too. This is actually a big driver for women's, it, it's actually a driver of libido. Right. Men just need higher levels of it, and it's a more substantial part of our experience. Oh, it's um, your main hormone. Yes, <laughs> that's absolutely right. And so suboptimal testosterone levels, we identify early and often with a lot of our men, mostly due to other performance-based metrics, you know, whether it's stamina, recovery, eliminating visceral fat. But a fair number of men say, hey, I feel a little 
dragging mm-hmm. in, in the bedroom. And it's just not something that comes on my radar. But I love my wife. I, it's something I desire. I, just, I don't know why. That's kind of the language pattern that is pretty consistent with a suboptimal testosterone. The bad news is it's super, super common. The good news is it's really easy to identify and even easier to treat. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and we see men just completely transformed. And oh. wives, thank you. Like, you've awakened my husband. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing him back. Like, mm-hmm. I've been missing that guy for some time. What's been your experience with some of that? If you've listened to us <laughs> for any length of time, in addition to blood sugar being the holy grail of health, I think the second thing that we beat the drum about is testosterone replacement therapy in Mm -hmm. men and women. It's just so important to get your levels checked and know that there's a difference between normal and optimal and find a provider that understands optimal. In my experience in both males and females in helping to optimize their testosterone, one of two things happen. Either they're told they're normal and they're sent on their way and there's nothing we can really do about it or their levels aren't brought to an optimal level where they're feeling their best and their libido is dramatically improved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finding somebody that can help you optimize them is is uh, really, really important. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. The second most common, and this is, I don't have data to support this. This is experiential anecdotal evidence based on our practice and our members And it's worth mentioning here because it's so clearly in our experience, number two, that I have to assume if it's not number two across the board, it's it's number two across a lot of boards. Mm -hmm. And that is what I would just generally call performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. This is especially true for men who uh, are somewhere on that alpha spectrum, high achievers, Mm -hmm. front of the pack movers and shakers, they're just used to doing life on a high level and they don't do many things that they're not all in on. When these types of men start underperforming in the bedroom, they might be able to get away with a few times where, wow, that was really atypical Mm -hmm. and explain it away in some reasonable fashion. But what I find is that if that starts to create a new pattern where there's a handful of the most recent experiences that are underperformed by their standards, they immediately start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I notice is men who begin thinking about the possibility of underperforming disproportionately start underperforming all the time. It's kind of like a loop that they can't stop. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit like, you know, there's these stretches of desert through Nevada and Arizona where there's nothing for 200 miles except every 20 miles there's a road sign and like all of the accidents are cars hitting the road sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the explanation is because it's the first thing you see and then you just stare at it and you go right to what you see. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is that you start to get a little anxiety around performing because you're either concerned about the fact that you can't be present for your spouse or you think your spouse is going to start getting stressed and ask you questions. And Mm -hmm. it's a real provoker of insecurity Mm -hmm. and uncertainty. And it is an unpleasant experience. And what happens is men will only go into that arena so many times before they start avoiding it. Mm. And initially it'll be subconscious. They won't even be aware that they're avoiding intimacy and and they're kind of punting, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, sorry. The night, the day got away from me. Or, um, but you end up avoiding things that hurt you. Yeah. And if this becomes a trauma where it's constantly hurting you, even if 
your spouse is incredibly patient and and is not in a weird place about it, but you're in a weird place as a man in your head about it, you will begin avoiding situations where you might get exposed as an underperformer Mm -hmm. and you get performance anxiety. The net result is a performance anxiety. And I've worked with a number of guys who this was not even on their radar. And as soon as we started unpacking this and started doing some performance anxiety type of work, mindset, breathing, uh, mindful breathing, like just some stress relieving endeavors. Mm -hmm. We've seen big breakthrough through performance in the bedroom. Do you feel like the number one cause or one of the huge causes is stress? Uh, Because I feel like these alpha types are, I mean, stress is, like you've said, there's no bad stress. It's just how you manage it. But maybe this Mm -hmm. is bleeding into this area of their life and maybe they're just not as as aware of it. That's a really good question. I I think... I think there's probably a lot of variations of this answer, but in general, the type of men that we end up taking care of, they're not opposed to occasionally underperforming, Mm -hmm. but then they go back and they audit and they tweak the plan and they come back and they execute at a higher level. I think it becomes incredibly uniquely frustrating for men who are used to operating at a high level, not to figure out where the problem is. Mm-hmm. And this is a complete blind spot Yeah, for most men. Mm-hmm. And But you would do the same thing in a work environment with a business relationship or a business partner. You would eventually, if you're perpetually being exposed to what you're interpreting as an underperformance, you will begin avoiding those interactions. Yeah, You'll skip those meetings. You mm-hmm. won't go on that trip. You won't like it. And it may or may not be at the conscious level, but it's your subconscious driving you to protect you from these painful experiences. Mm-hmm. So you help men kind of get to the root cause or try to. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, what we're talking about is underperforming in the bedroom. Yeah. All I'm saying is Viagra may or may not be the solution. Mm-hmm. It may be part of a solution, but getting to the root cause and a holistic approach to let's fix the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people who have been on a number of ED enhancing drugs and it helps bridge the gap, but it doesn't deal with the issue. They still have the underlying anxiety that's around performance without that aid. Ah. So I think, yeah, I mean, suboptimal testosterone performance anxiety with really an inappropriate amount of stress response Mm -hmm. to something that is just eluding them as the solution is eluding them, I think is a great place to give a man room to think about, or even the ladies who are listening, room in their creative space to think about, could that be going on mm-hmm. in my situation? Yeah. Bucket number two, so bucket number one is the want to, bucket number two are the parts. <laughs> and you always giggle every time. <laughs> but there's th- there are anatomical parts that are involved in sexual performance for both men and women mm-hmm. that are rooted in large part to plumbing and electrical. What enables a man to engage with and satisfactorily complete intimacy is nothing short of a neurologic electrical plumbing phenomena. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of things that are contributing to the inefficiency in our plumbing and electrical systems. Obviously, number one is smoking. Anybody who smokes for any length of time will almost certainly exhibit ED-type symptoms in their lifetime, likely due to the damage that the cigarette smoking does to the lining of the endothelial, the arteries that, that feed the blood flow, the plumbing. Right. Then we have hypertension, which also damages the lining. Diabetes, which 
both the plumbing and the electrical get neuropathy. You lose the ability to have the proper electrical stimulation to send the signal to get the plumbing turned on, and then the plumbing's damaged too. Diabetes is uniquely devastating in this particular situation. Obesity, medications, especially medications for high blood pressure, beta blockers are notorious for ED. Uh, a lot of BPH or big mm-hmm. prostate medicines taken long term, we know that those have a side effect. You might pee better, but you're probably going to have a little struggle with maintaining a high quality mm-hmm. erection. Several antidepressants completely abolish the want to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, we have experienced some like, it is like a ghost town mm-hmm. from a drive standpoint. And it has nothing to do with their testosterone and it has nothing to do with performance anxiety. It just ain't there. Right. So antidepressants. I think alcohol is kind of showing up on a lot of our content as a really sneaky masquerader of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol can create a lack of full attention and presence and distractibility, which makes it nearly impossible to send the right neurologics pathways. Mm -hmm. You know, probably for most healthy people, a very mild amount of alcohol can really help relax and probably has some early on the graph is upside. And then, but at some point, very after a little bit, you start absorbing a downside. Mm. And there's a real point of diminishing return with alcohol to where you're just... Try next time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think so. So diseases, medications and Jen, you and I talk about from a human optimization standpoint, whether we're talking about hormones, weight training, eliminating fat or in this case, performance in the bedroom. The way we improve things is we immediately divide things into modifiable risk factors versus uh, non-modifiable. And this is no different than how do you get healthy? Well, number one, you stop doing the things, change all the modifiable things that you can. <laughs> stop doing the dumb things. Yeah. Like if you smoke, stop smoking. If you want to live a long time and your favorite pastime is cliff jumping, you should probably get a new hobby. Mm-hmm. Like change what you can change and then see how that impacts the results you're looking for. If you've changed everything that you can change and there are still some risks that you're absorbing, but they're non-modifiable, you have to manage those. Yeah. And so in this case, if we've managed all that, we've stopped smoking, we've got our diabetes under control, blood pressure under control, we've lost a bunch of weight, we've made some medication changes, but you're still underperforming and it's a quality of erection issue, well, maybe Viagra or Cialis is perfect. Mm-hmm. Maybe in this case, the generic answer is right. Yeah. But you actually come into that answer in a thoughtful manner. Mm-hmm. Or we add those things in while you're working on Modif- yeah, mo- to the bridge modifiable. the gap. Yeah, yeah, to create some momentum. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know about many men that are going to wait forever to no. <laughs> for some of these modifiable risk factors to correct. No, and I will tell you that, and back to that first bucket, the performance anxiety. It's not long before overwhelm sets in. Yeah, and they're just going to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Then I guess I'm just it's not for me. Well, no, no. Let's bridge the gap. Let's create some breathing space Mm -hmm. while we continue to refine our strategy. Obviously, there's some more extreme techniques if modifying the modifiable and and managing the non-modifiable. And you're still left with really uncontrolled, underperforming. There are some more extreme measures. Obviously, you wouldn't want to see a urologist for some of these things like pump and injections and things like this. But they work. I mean, thank mm-hmm. goodness we have these, but these are kind of more extreme that, that isn't your garden variety. I'm not really performing in the mm-hmm. bedroom. I think of, you know, when we talk, we've talked about these two buckets already, 
that there's hope. There's some things that can correct the want to that are pretty darn easy. Yes. And there's some things that we can work on with the plumbing and the electrical that, you know, if you found the right person, you would be well on your way in no time. I love that. Yeah. No, it's so true. And I thank you for reminding me because sometimes I get so caught up in the teaching and I get excited. I mean, I miss some of these points and that is really having a compelling future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that my best days are not behind me. Right. I love that. What's bucket number three? Bucket number three is the relationship. Mm. And I will tell you, even as somebody who engages, I hunt for these conversations all the time. It's like the big eye emoji (laughs) when I'm like, well, tell me about the quality of your relationship. You know, careful. Here we are. Uh We're on to something there. Yeah. No amount of testosterone or Mm -hmm. Viagra or whatever you want to do will make you magically want to engage in intimate moments with someone that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Or that doesn't like you. Or that doesn't like you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to be real Mm -hmm. about this. And in a healthy, nurturing, safe, adult, intimate relationship, having conversations about and engaging in amazing sex should be as normal as breathing. Yeah. It absolutely should. And the fact that it's not in most relationships, it's a real sign that we're, we're really overlooking this topic. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of variables that, that go into the way someone feels, which by definition then affects how they perform when it comes to these incredibly intimate, vulnerable moments. Mm-hmm. And if we're not pulling the curtain back and being totally honest with the quality of the relationship, then our ability to create a meaningful impact is limited by the extent that it may be something else. Right. But this absolutely has to be something that gets addressed regularly if someone is identifying with underperformance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to be committed to improving it. Yes. I've been married 21 years now. It's hard to believe. But I would not be married that long without constantly working on my marriage when my Mm -hmm. husband does the same. Um, You know, you need to be as excited about your relationship as you were when you were first dating. And I truly believe, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's out of reach for many people. Planning date nights, sending flowers randomly, sweet text messages, those are just some examples, but that takes work. Take notes, man. (laughs) That Uh, takes work. And it's on the female too. I mean, you know. Sure. One of the things I say often is that Getting married is not an event. Right. It, it's a journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my grandfather, who was married for over 70 years, when I asked him before he died, what's the key to marriage? He simply said, Aaron, you'll never fully understand a woman. They're meant to be a mystery and you need to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And number two is if you never stop doing what you did to get her, you'll never lose her. Oh, I love that. And I think for both men and women, there's elements of the masculine journey that are mysterious. Mm -hmm. But I don't know too many women who don't find it attractive to have a mysterious man who's vulnerable. Right. And and I think part of the human experience is a mystery. All of nature, we look, we we see the mystery. There needs to be an element of just embracing the mystery Mm -hmm. as opposed to always trying to figure it out. Yeah. But then getting back to the basics, like whatever you did to win him, to win her, that would likely be a good strategy to do always. 
And when you're confused and don't know where to start with that. Yeah. It's a good the little thing things. That's right. And momentum is real. Mm-hmm. How many episodes do we end up talking about m- momentum? Oh, nearly all you, of them. You need two or three quick, good decisions mm-hmm. to create just a little bit of a breeze. Mm-hmm. But breeze turns into a tailwind pretty quickly if you layer in good behaviors and reinforce the things that are most essential. And committing to working on the relationship in the topic of improving performance in the bedroom, if it, it needs to be part of the audit. Yeah. And then you come to the, the conclusion of, well, what if it doesn't get better? Well, then you have a tough road yeah. in the sense that you have, a, it's not tough, it's just it can be hard. Mm-hmm. It's actually, the answer is quite simple, but, but, but the application and the walking it out can be hard. I mean, you either have to come to agree that we'll never fully agree and see eye to eye on this particular topic and find some reasonable place where both parties can make some concessions and you're okay with the agreement mm-hmm. or you need to move away. Yeah. You got to end the relationship. Yeah. You have to be strong enough to end the relationship because you being in a relationship where the unspoken is never spoken, in, especially in a topic that is this significant, it will absolutely become the root of resentment. Yeah. That's a death blow to all marriages, mm-hmm. certainly to all meaningful, healthy marriages. But you have to either come to terms with an agreement where you both there are concessions made and there's an agreement so that you don't feed resentment. Mm-hmm. And grieve the idea that it's not what you thought it was going to be but all things considered you know what maybe I was a little delusional and maybe this is worth preserving as a whole in the macro but it has to be healed it can't fester yeah because if it festers and some person is left always feeling like they're the ones that are suffering it's only a matter of time before something horrible happens and ultimately that marriage is doomed that relationship if it's not a marriage my hope is that most relationships between two reasonable, loving, respectful adults, you would be able to see each other's position mm-hmm. and be able to become empathetic um, and begin the healing process and, and come together through trying to work on each other. Or you've gone through that journey and you realize, wow, we really don't see eye to eye on this. However, this is one topic. Yeah. And I respect you enough to like, Let's meet in the middle and let's not make this a thing. Yeah. At minimum would be that. Mm-hmm. At maximum, my hope is that relationships that need to work would find their ways yeah. to being healed. But there there are plenty of relationships that I'm, I'm sad to say they're toxic at this point. And the best thing probably is to part ways and begin the healing process. Yeah. And I, I say that with full realization that ending relationships should be hard. Mm-hmm. It should be the hardest thing you do. Wow. Yeah. They're not meant they're not meant to be severed. Yeah. All right. Till death do you part. Right? That's <laughs> the whole idea. They're yeah. meant to be catastrophically horrible to end. Mm-hmm. Which means we shouldn't if we can salvage it. Yeah. Anything salvageable, we need to put you need to put your energy there. Take one less deal a month. Work on your marriage. Yeah. Work as hard on that as you do your business or Yes. Your other personal relationships. It's I that important. I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, severing a family is should be the hardest thing you mm-hmm. do. But I will tell you, uh, being front row with several relationships that are just on fire mm-hmm. and just 
I'm not a therapist. I'm not giving marriage advice. I'm just saying there are some things that outside of a miracle seem pretty unsavable. Yeah. And sometimes those are the best battle is just to put the sword down mm-hmm. and say, I'm done fighting. Yeah. And we're not, we're going to begin the healing process. We're going to grieve the loss of a relationship, but we're going to start building new relationships mm-hmm. and moving on. And we're going to have that compelling future and we're going to move towards a compelling future. Yeah. And thankfully, most healthy relationships are completely salvageable once the the individuals involved have optics on what's going on. Yeah. And I think we see that way more than the alternative. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Far and away. And actually, my experience is that it's the minority of time where, like, concessions need to be made and a deal needs to be struck. It's mostly, like, I had no idea I was doing that to you and having that impact, which then, wow, I have a whole new perspective on what's going on from where you're sitting. Mm -hmm. And normally, thank goodness, it's a process that brings people together. Yeah. And not further away. Yeah. And that's our hope for everybody. Well, we want people to be happy. <laughs> if it makes sense. Yeah. But if you're firmly entrenched in your resentment and so is your spouse, like, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath forever. Mm-hmm. Or just put the swords down and walk away. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I'm really glad that we did this topic. I think that given how often we talk about it one on one with our patients, I have to believe that there are many, many people who want to be able to have this conversation. And I hope that this will encourage those listening, both men and women, mm-hmm. who are in this situation where they're trying to improve something that absolutely feels improvable, to give them a framework to, to begin thinking about where should we start exploring a solution, that these three buckets would allow you some basic fundamental underpinnings to, to approach this topic that you could go into your primary care physician's office and say, hey, I've been thinking a lot about this. We're wanting to make some headway in this topic. Based on what I understand, I feel like the plumbing and the electrical work, the relationship is out of this world. My want to is just generally kind of low. Mm-hmm. Could we look at my testosterone levels? Yeah. Whether you're a man or a woman, mm-hmm. that 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 would be able to be a con- you would feel motivated and encouraged and empowered, and my hope also is that you have an environment where you could go in and you have a person that you could have that conversation oh, yeah. with, and if you don't, you need to find that person. Yeah, for sure. Because this is a real topic. This mm-hmm. is like, this is real time talk. If you end up needing as a guy Viagra or Cialis, and you went through everything else, and that's the thing that helps. Easy fix. Easy, <laughs> super super easy. Yeah. And if you don't need any medication and your testosterone is great and the want to is there, but you're just feeling disrespect and a little bit of work on the relationship can heal and you guys come together and the disrespect disappears and there's a general respect, that's like fireworks for intimacy. So I think that this is a useful framework for us. I hope that it's helpful for other people. What are some of your last thoughts, Jen? I am so um, grateful for you bringing this up for men and women. I think that, like we've said, it may just be one thing that's out of whack and taking an inventory of these three buckets. I love the way that you've kind of broken it down. But just know that for most people, it's really uh, a couple easy things that we can tweak and just follow long term. And I have seen personally huge strides in in relationships in our members that we treat here just by 
talking about it and being brave enough to broach the subject because I don't know many primary care providers that right out of the gate ask you these type of things. I I love that we hit it hard straight from the get-go and it's an area that we want to fix because it is that important. I agree. You know, the neat thing is it's not like we go prying. No. I would just ask a simple question about scale of one to 10, how do you rate your love life? Yeah. And it should be good. Mm -hmm. And if it's not good, then it makes me say, do you have any sense why it's a six? Mm -hmm. And some people have total optics on what's going on and they don't need my framework. They've already got it figured out. But this is especially useful for the, I have no idea. I'm so glad you asked me. Like it's come out of nowhere. This is a great place of like talk 1.0. But the problem is most people have zero talks. Yeah. And it's just assumed that everything's okay. Right. And, and if it, it's a nail and all we have is a hammer yeah. and the hammer's Viagra. So like if yeah. you're not working, then just take Viagra. Yeah. I mean, okay, but what if it's something else? Mm. Could you use as a great bridge, but are we really, really getting to the root of the problem? And we can't help ourselves, can we? No. We're, we're, we're <laughs> what's really going on yeah. and let's major in major things and especially the things that are most important. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks for taking the time, Jen, Thank as always. You. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer, this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.